Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Metallica turned into a circus actor. LA sucks! Can I say something that I think is bullshit? Don't fool Yes, we sell out. He also told me he was on acid. Now you better wash that mic off. I was gonna fill it up with my own urine. Alcoholica. And I talked about digging a hole in a fucking dirt and smoking hash through the ground. All kinds of shit. Shower filled with women. Set your ass down, Lara. Shoot a pair of woman's legs walking down the street. Eight women washing you down at once, you know. Come up here, Lars points to me. <laughs> see, he said there's me, but see, and there he is, right there. And his skin is bubbling like on the Toxic Avenger. Boyfriends and dads looking for me. Ten minutes. Singing along, fucking along, doing this something the fuck along. Here we go. This is Mrs. Smith, a.k.a. the Queen of Wah, a.k.a. the crazy lady who swept the floor with Kirk Hammett. And you're listening to the And Podcast for All. Welcome back to In Podcast for All. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. Jeff, another week of a special guest, a very special guest. It, uh, I don't think it gets any bigger than this. This is a big day for us, man. Yes, a big day for us and a big day for me especially because our guest I have been a huge fan of for a very long time. So this is kind of a surreal moment for me. I'm excited. I love when you and I are on tour with the tribute band. Every time I hear something from the back seat or the back of the bus, you're like, oh, of course, we're on tour and Fozzie's playing Minneapolis and I'm not there. Literally, I have missed Fozzie. I think every single time they've been in Minneapolis for the last, I want to say, six or seven years. Like It has been the worst luck that every single time they're in town, we're on tour. Well, just quit the tribute band and start hanging out at First Ave or The Myth or Target Center. It's funny, I have seen our guest live, really? but just just not with his band before. I saw him in front of about 18,000 at the Target Center. Was his uh, walk-in intro song, Get in the Ring? <laughs> no, no, not quite. <laughs> We're going to have to ask him about that. Be like, dude, I know you've got some amazing intro on walk-in music, but it, it's time to get with the times and, you know, straight up get in the ring. In, in recent times, he's actually been using um, his band Fozzy. He's been using one of their biggest singles they ever had. It was, it's a song called Judas. And I know he's been using that for his intro music for a while. Yeah, the Judas Kiss. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is going to be fun. We know his uh, Talk is Jericho podcast is popular. He's had people on such as uh, Ron McGovney, Brian Slagle, and two um, not-so-well-known names, Rob Trujillo and Lars Ulrich. Yeah, I mean, I may have heard of them. On top of that podcast, he also is a six-time world champion in the WWE. He's won the WWF championship once, the WCW championship twice, the world heavyweight championship three times. 
He is also a record nine-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time United States Champion, and the fourth WWE Grand Slam Champion. He also is an actor as well. He's been in movies like uh, Jane Silent Bob Reboot. He had a YouTube show called But I'm Chris Jericho. I mean, like, literally, you know, what can't this dude do? He plays in two different bands. It's amazing. Well, after that resume, maybe I'm not going to get in the ring with him because I think he would win in all categories. You ready to get to it? I'm ready. Moon Goose McQueen, the man of 1,004 holds, not king nothing, but king of the world. From Tampa, Florida, please welcome our biggest special guest of all time, our friend, Mr. Chris Jericho. What's up, man? I don't know if I'm a bigger special guest than uh, than Phil Towel, um, <laughs> and I don't have a, a really loud, ugly Cosby sweater, so... Um, I don't know if they fit in as well as he does, but <laughs> we had fun with it, Jericho. Um, you got the Fozzie hoodie going. We see the Halloween box set behind you. It doesn't get any heavier than that. Yeah, man. Um, I still love Halloween. One of my all-time favorite bands. They are still pretty much the same as they've always been, which is good. We played with them. Oh God, eight nine years ago. We're in a Metallica tribute band, Jericho. So play with some big acts, share some big stages, have a lot of fun with it. That's cool. What's, what do you which, What are you guys called? One, the only tribute to Metallica. What more do you need? Nice and simple. Welcome to a podcast for all. We start off with a little rapid fire questions and kind of get a, a feel for where we're at. Lay it on me, man. It's called rapid fire. All right, load or reload. I made a a, a mix of both, um, and I called it what did I call it. Superload or something like that. I find if you, if you combine those albums together, I actually made a playlist on Spotify. It's a great record. It's, just, it's much like Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2. Yeah. Um, but I'll say Load just because of Bleeding Me, which I think is the best song on both those records together. Love it. Binge and Purge or Cliff Em All? Cliff Em All. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to go for the classics. Orion or Cthulhu? Orion, top 10 for me. Favorite album cover? I mean, Master Puppets is the classic, but I really like what they did with Hardwired. I thought that concept was really cool. Love it. And uh, last but not least, 95 Hetfield mullet or the 89 Cowardly Lion look? Oh, it got to be the Cowardly Lion. I hated the Hetfield mullet. I hated it. <laughs> Especially when I had it really shaved on the side. I don't know what the fuck he was doing there. He had the mullet, and then he was rocking the combat boots and the shorts too. At it was that a time. strange time. It was that was a weird, a weird transitional time for Metallica back then. I think the '90s was kind of a weird time for all of us. Well, I mean, the early '90s was great for Metallica, right? I mean, they Absolutely. were kind of the last bastion of 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 heavy metal until Pantera came around, and then when they went for the load reload phase, it was pretty much just all about pantera but when you look back and watch some of those those uh load concerts and stuff even just the set list is like they've got it down to a science now with the way they look with their 18 songs every show and they do 12 the same every night and they switch six around every night so you can go see something different i mean lars has done a great job of that but in the in the 90s it's just that that after the black album ended and they went to load and reload that was really them like most bands that we loved back in that time frame, just not knowing where they fit in, right. even though they were Metallica and they didn't never had to fit in. Um, it just was weird, but you know, I guess that's part of the longevity of the band. 
Yeah, when you can go through multiple decades and fit in and make it work, I mean, it's truly amazing. Not a lot of bands can make it from the 80s through the 90s and into the 2000s. Well, yeah, and that's all the great bands. Even if you're talking about, you know, Kiss or, or, or Van, I mean, Van Halen is, is finished, obviously, and Rush is finished. But Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, you know, Iron Maiden, you name it from that era. ACDC, they've always kind of, well, not so much ACDC, but they've always kind of just morphed and changed and diversified to what kind of could keep them fresh and unique and metallica did that you know i actually really like like i said putting together the 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 compilation of the two load load and reload i really like it and i can listen to it all the way through now as a as an older guy when it first came out when i was 25 years old i was like this is fucking terrible i hate it like i just hated it you know (laughs) along with the rest of the world i mean right but i mean it's still sold records and it's still metallica and now i understand it's like People hate, for example, I don't know, I Was Made for Loving You and Sure Know Something and Dirty Living from Kiss, but they're great songs. They're just disco Sure influence. Know Something is such a great song. It's a song. great song, but I'm sure when that came out, if you were a big fan of Rock and Roll Over and Destroyer and Love Gun, you'd be going, what the fuck is this? Exactly. So, you know, it's the same with, with a lot of bands that, that we love. There's always going to be that time where they're, they're trying different things, and, and that's why Metallica is still in existence you know, and one of the few bands that never broke up. Metallica never broke up. They're like the Stones and Kiss. No matter how much shit they went through, the genesis of the band remained the same. You know, James Absolutely. and Lars have been together since day one and Mick and Keith and Gene and Paul. Paul and, and Gene. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you know that that you have that um, that connection and that chemistry. That no matter how bad things are, you're going to ride it through because you believe in the band. Just like Chris Jericho and Rich Ward. Exactly. The only guys that have ever played... In every Fozzie show, you know, the only guys that, I mean, hell, Lars hasn't even played in every Metallica show, as we That's know. That's a good point. That's a good point, This man. is very true. Right? So it, it's just one of those things. I always appreciate that, and especially now that Metallica has reached this, you know, they are the Rolling Stones of our generation. You know, they are the U2 of our generation, and you never would have thought about that when they first started, um, but they've become that band, and, and they're still in their 50s, so... You know, but like Lars says, playing, you can't get no satisfaction and give me shelter is a lot different than playing, you know, one and Dyer's Eve. Fucking damage ink. <laughs> yeah. You know, hopefully they can continue forward for as long as, as Lars, you know, as Lars physically can play those those types of beats. Um, but I see them continuing on for, for, for many more years as a result of the fact they've now become a worldwide, globally iconic band. Oh, absolutely. You know, speaking of bands and changing up their sound, you know, you, you brought up Kiss and, you know, I'm a big, big 80s Kiss fan. I actually, Me too. Crazy, Night, Crazy Nights is my favorite Kiss album. A lot of those 80s records, they don't get enough credit, even Unmasked. Um, and obviously I know that you've been doing Quarantine. How did that all come about? And can we expect to see some more Kiss covers coming out anytime soon? Are you going to tour it, Jericho? Well, we're not going to tour it. We'll probably do some shows for it, though. I mean, definitely. Cool. I mean, this is not something you take on the road. It's just kind of a fun project. And it started the same way that most of the stuff started during this lockdown, just trying to stay busy and, and, and just to keep busy and do things. So, yeah, it's it's a fun project. And it's something that we really uh, kind of, you know, we had a hit single with, with No, 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 which was crazy. Um, yep. So we want to continue to keep keep doing it whenever we can you know, do a song every few months. And um, if opportunity comes to do some shows, we'll do that as well. Jericho, we ask all our guests when they uh, hopped on the Metallica train, what's your first memory that remains? When did it all start for you? 
So I used to um, live by this convenience store, and there used to be this guy that sat outside. His name was Brad Hadubiak. That's a great um, Canadian name for you. <laughs> and he was kind of like an uglier version of Malcolm Young. Same hair, <laughs> like cut here, here, and here. And that's saying something because Malcolm wasn't exactly not a looker, not a looker right? <laughs> uh, jean jacket and jeans, and just kind of used to sit at the drugstore, like kind of on the curb in the parking lot, like some kind of a heavy metal guru. And he would tell you what the new bands were. I, I don't know if he had connections via the fanzines or, or whatever it was. And he was the guy, you got to check out Raven, check out, you know, this band, check out this band. And he, he said, you got to check out this band called Metallica. What year? Uh, 84, okay. like really early on. Right. And so I remember I went down to the to the record store, local record store called Records on Wheels, and Ride the Lightning was there, and it, it has such a great cover to this day, especially on LP. It just really kind of the colors and the way that it looks and turn around the back, and they look Absolutely. really cool. And so I, I bought Ride the Lightning, and I remember when I got, I saw a friend of mine when I had the record, and he was like, what is this, Metallica, Metallica? And I'm like, no, it's called Metallica. <laughs> I don't really know what it means either. And you got to keep in mind, back then there were so many fucking metal bands. So you would get, you know, uh, uh, Tyson Dog and Witchfind and, 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 and Witchcross and Witchfinder General and Angel Witch and, sure. you know, like I said, Lizzie Borden and, and Malice and all these bands. So Metallica was just one of many. It wasn't like they stood out from anybody else. It's just like, well, this guy told me to check it out, so I'll check it out. Just like this guy told me to check out, you know, this band here and this band there. So when I got home, I put it on to the turntable. It was one of those old school, back like in the 60s and 70s, record players were like almost pieces of furniture. Like you yep. would open up the top about of it and it was almost like a big desk. Yeah, thing. it looked like a big cabinet. Yeah, and you'd open the top, and there it was in there. So I put that on because my parents were not home, or so I just would have put it on my put it on in my room. But this was louder, so I put it onto that. And I remember, obviously, the first thing you hear is is that kind of harpsichord thing from from Fight Fire with Fire. It's like, what is, what is this? this? Is like classical music? Like this? I, this I don't like this, you know. And then <laughs> once it gets to the to the crescendo of the bounce, 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 bounce. And you're just like, holy shit. And then it just goes back and ticket, 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 ticket. And I remember just thinking, this is insane. Like, this is the heaviest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I'm in. And I vividly remember when the music cuts out and it's just Lars like, like, I'd never heard something that fast. Obviously, it's just overkill for Motorhead, but I wasn't hip to Motorhead at that point in time. Very true. So I'd never really heard like this, Double, like I was, I was listening to Iron Maiden at that point, and you know Def Leppard and Ozzy, but this was above and beyond crazier than that. Sure. So that's kind of when I got really into Metallica, and then what, what really hooked it for me is then, of course, you go to the record store, you have anything else, you just kill them all. And looking on the back, like with the zits and the acting and the teenage mustache, it's like <laughs> yeah, the little mustache. <laughs> I look like these guys. Like these these guys. How old are these guys? Sixteen? Like they're twenty three or something? But they look like they're sixteen. The eleven dollar so, jean jacket. Yeah, and I had the same jean jacket. Yep. And I, I just connected with that because they looked like Iron Maiden had stage costumes and this was kind of Motley Crue had the the bands had images and gimmicks and this the, even ACDC they had there's a guy with a hat and there's Angus Young with a schoolboy. This was none of that. So I connected with it right away. Um to the point where I remember being in grade 9 telling everybody about this Metallica band 
and all the girls that I hung out with, I never had a date, but they're all Duran Duran fans. And I remember going to parties and taking out Duran Duran and putting in Ride the Lightning. And like, I remember this big chick, a bigger girl, took the Ride the Lightning, threw it out the front door into the snow, and then basically pushed me out the door and locked it behind me. You know, here's your fucking Metallica, buddy. So that was right near the beginning. And, and I've been, you know, a giant fan ever since. What about the first time seeing them? So I had tickets to see to see Cliff Burton and Metallica twice and never saw him either time. The first time was the summer of 86. I was in Vancouver for the Expo, which is a big like worldwide it was like the the World Expo, but it was in Vancouver where my aunt and uncle lived. Okay. And my uncle was kind of like a rocker dude and he was going to take me to see Ozzy and Metallica. And I was flipping out crazy excited. Because even though I liked Ozzy, Metallica was my band at this point. Like when, when Master came out, it was just like, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And day of the concert, it was canceled because Ozzy was sick. He oh, had some man. kind of throat problems. Or, and I remember thinking like, well, can't Metallica still play? Like who cares about Ozzy? Like fuck. Like He probably snorted too many fire ants well, the night that's, before. Yeah, I mean, he was probably just completely <laughs> off his rocker at that point. <laughs> Ozzy sees a popsicle stick laying on the ground, and there's a long trail of ants going to it. And he gets down on his knees, and he goes... All the snorting ants one that are probably drunk snorting ants on his thing on him. Crazy stuff. Well, can't Metallica still... I remember just being crushed. That Meta It's not fair. Metallica is fine. Who cares if Ozzy can't play? So that was number one. And like I said, that was probably about June or July of 86. And then they were coming to Winnipeg in November of 86, maybe early December. And I bought tickets for that one. And obviously in September is when Cliff died. But they never canceled the show. If you guys know the history, and obviously you do. Absolutely. They basically took six weeks off and just went right back on the road again. So I saw one of the first tours one of the first gigs that Jason Newstead ever played. And remember knowing all about it. Cause you know, you heard all about the guy from Flotsam and Jetsam and then you go, go buy Flotsam, you know, doomsday for the deceiver. And, uh, so I remember I was at the playhouse theater in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I was right near the front. I recorded it. Uh, with Still a, with the puppets backdrop and the crosses. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was obviously a big venue for yep. that, but they had, from what I recall, some kind of stage show. Cool. But I also, I, I recorded it on a handheld recorder that I snuck in, but I left it in my pocket the whole time. So you couldn't hear anything. And uh, <laughs> metal church opened yep. and uh, I was standing right next to the mentors. The mentors apparently wow. had played the yeah. night before that, that after. And the reason why I knew it was the mentors is they were wearing their fucking, executioner hoods oh yeah sure so, so that was cool. the first time i saw them in 1986 and i took pictures i still probably have them somewhere of this is very early newstead and very early metallica in 1986 how rare that is yeah i was gonna say that's pretty amazing the fact that seeing newstead on the puppet store i mean right. that's looking back at it nowadays i mean that's almost as iconic as people who got to see cliff i mean that's that's a big deal not a lot of people got to see jason finish off that puppet sewer yeah I, that's and then the funny thing is like uh, this is not name dropping Lars and I are, have become fairly good friends over the years and and I actually did something at the Playhouse Theater a few years ago for CBC in, Win in Winnipeg which is the, the, the Canadian sports network um, and I was on stage doing some kind of I don't remember some live presentation thing 
And I text Lars after. I'm like, dude, I'm at the Playhouse Theater. This is where I first saw you guys. He goes, he goes I remember that. It fucking remembers minus fucking 35 on the fucking big temperature, computer temperature sign <laughs> in, front of the, in front of the fucking venue. And you go outside and that temperature sign is still there. Like he remembers, he remembers lots of that shit. He remembers literally like every city he goes to. Everything, right? It's amazing. He, he remembered, like, think about this. This is Lars in 2018. Right. Thinking about a temperature sign. It's unbelievable. Th- fucking 32 years earlier, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 32 years earlier. He remembered that. I hardly remember some of the venues we play a, a year after we play. Yeah, never mind what the temperature was. Never mind that there was a temperature sign outside, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Jeff, remember when we had Kyle from The Sword on? He was talking about pulling up to that rodeo arena in Albuquerque, and Lars pulls up in the limo and goes, oh, dude, we played here on May 14th of, you know, 86 yeah. with Ozzy. It's yeah, like, and he just knows exactly the time, the date. Where do what? you have that stored away at in that little head? Probably knows what he ate for dinner that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's that type of guy. He, he's, he's very organized with that sort of stuff. But, I mean, and that was the first of many. And then after that, see, Winnipeg, where I grew up in, in – well, you know, Jeff, it's right, right up the road from you – Yep. It was it's it's it was a very big concert town. So most bands would come there even though routing wise is kind of in the middle of nowhere. There's the, the only thing to the west is Calgary, you know, which is Edmonton. a 14-hour drive Calgary Edmonton, whatever. But there's Calgary 14 hours to Winnipeg. Then unless you're going to do a Regina Saskatchewan, it's another freaking 25 hours yeah. to Toronto or 8 hours down to Minneapolis. So but we never missed out on Metallica. They came every fucking year. Uh, not that they had too many tours after the Master Tour, but we, I saw them for Justice. I saw them for for the Black Album. At that point, I had moved out of out of town. But um, pays yeah, to be in the middle of Canada. Yeah, middle of Canada. But Metallica always played there, and they still do to this day. So uh, I always found that Winnipeg was a very big Aussie town and a very big Maiden town and a very big Metallica town. You get a lot of people. If you're a fan of heavy metal, those are the three. And ACDC, those are kind of the four staples of, of our city for heavy metal. They did Winnipeg well. I know it's a sore subject, Jericho, but uh, current thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings where you and Jeff bleed purple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't bleed purple. My wife does, so by proxy, I'm a fan. But you know, I, I live in Tampa. I'm from Canada, so uh, I'm a Bucks fan. You know, I'm a Jaguars fan because my boss owns the Jaguars. Yes. Um, but yeah, when the, when the Vikings are on, and my wife is feeling your pain, Jeff, I'm feeling it as well. <laughs> yes, it's been it's been painful the last. Oh, let's see, going on twenty <laughs> plus years. Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> a couple close calls in there. A couple close calls. So being a Bucks fan, then what do you think about Tom Brady? Who gives a fuck about Tom Brady? Let's talk about Metallica. <laughs> if I want to talk about Tom Brady, I do the NFL podcast. Good answer, Fair Jericho. Fair this enough. is what you guys do. It's Metallica shit. Come up with some Metallica stuff. That's what it's all about, man. We're finishing up season three where everyone comes on and tells us their dream no more set list. And at the end of the season, we reveal our set list. You got 15 or 18 songs you can throw down quick, Jericho, and we'll, we'll see how close you come to ours at the end of the season. I might even still, if I have the list, it'd be easy for me just to read them off to you. Uh, oh, look at this right there. No shit. Look at this. What a genius I am. August Dude, 6, 2020. You came prepared, sir. I'm impressed. Well, you know, that's the best thing about having a phone with your little notepad thing, right? Yes, it is. So I, this is not an order. And like I said, they, they play 18 songs, but because, because it's uh, um, my set list, I'm just going to name them. All right. Perfect. So, so Battery. 
master puppets and don't do any of this editing that they did in the 90s it's another fucking thing i hated about it, where they would play half of master puppets and oh, you play, want the like, full deal man half of, of of four horsemen like that doesn't count full they, version of puppets oh i hate that shit uh, <laughs> blackened nice spit out the bone that oh. is a great fucking tune uh whiplash still still on certain days could be my favorite metallica song that's that's just the heaviest of all uh for whom the bell tolls classic orion dyer's eve ride the lightning bleeding me disposable heroes creeping death yes hit the lights seek and destroy some kind of monster yeah. yeah wow. People, I like that, man. That that album that fucking song is killer. The album's not killer. There's four or five other great tunes, but some kind of monster's awesome, man. Song that, is that, heavy that, as hell. That om, ominous ominous middle part. That's insane. Well, that's your tribute to Phil Toll, right? <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Um, Put the sweater on when you listen to that. Song. I think I think Phil tried to write the lyrics for that, didn't he? <laughs> tried to <laughs> get those post-it notes out. Sad but true. Uh, Atlas rise. Nice. Wherever I may roam, through the never, and all nightmare long. I love how you have Atlas and Spit Out the Bone, two favorite tracks from Hardwired. You can't go wrong with that. I love, I love, you know, that, that record, you know, it, it, Lars is funny because he's like, you know, people were complaining that the record's too long. And it's like, we haven't put out a record in fucking eight years. It's like, how can it be too long? Exactly. I think there's, I think there's a couple songs in there that might be a little bit, make, make it a little bit too long. But I'm actually really happy with, with Hardwired and with um, uh, uh, Death Magnetic. I think those are two great records that they've done in, their, in kind of the, the later part of their career for sure. I love that little Maiden-esque part in Atlas Rise. I felt like that little the little harmony part that they do there. Yeah. It's just, it is so cool. Just I, f- I felt like that's what tied that whole song together. The thing that's cool about Metallica is something we do with Fozzie as much as we can. Actually, probably the last three or four tours we've done it is that Metallica and, and, and Maiden always open their show with the first two songs on their new record. Yes. That is as old school as it comes, you know? And Metallica opening with Hardwired and Atlas was was awesome. You know, and it's funny, too, because I saw that tour three times um, on that tour. One of them was in Madison, Wisconsin. We played a festival that day. I was actually there, Derek O. Were you there in Madison? Mas- yep. That was, that, at- that's what kicked off the arena tour in the North America. Yeah, so we played kind of downtown in the big open area, like, courtyard. And then we went to see Metallica. And like you said, it was the first night of the tour. And the set list wasn't good. And the band was kind of sloppy. Remember Lars had that big beard? And I was like, what is this, on Golden Pond? What's wrong with you? (laughs) It was a little sloppy. And that's the only night on the tour they played Cyanide. Yes. And then you could see that they kind of reconfigured. And I've noticed that about Metallica is that sometimes they're sloppy. Uh, other times, like the next time I saw them was, I believe, in Atlanta at the stadium that they played with Avenged Sevenfold. They're fucking great. Killed it. You know, I saw them in Birmingham that tour. We just happened to have a night off in Birmingham and they were playing too. Once in a while, you'll see a sloppy Metallica gig, but most of the time they just fucking lock it right in. And the only reason why I know it's sloppy is because I'm a musician. You guys play as well. You guys know. And you can tell the difference. Most people don't even fucking care. You have your nights. But I care. You know, and that that's something that to me sometimes is like, Ish. but I get it. I, I'm sure they probably don't do a lot of rehearsing at this point in time. Um, did Fozzie play Madison the same night Metallica did? Same night, yeah. 
it was raining like a motherfucker outside before that because we were outside. Well, here's what happened. You're right. We it was a radio festival from from the rock station. Okay, and we played second to last, and the last band was. I don't remember. I want to say pretty reckless, but it wasn't them. But it started raining right at the end of our set, and that was it. So we were the last band because it just that was done. Ooh, Fucking uh, torrential downpour right after that. I'm really hoping that I can see Fozzie live soon because literally every single time you guys have been in Minneapolis, <laughs> we've, we've been on tour for like the last like seven years. I've every single time wow. I've been gone. It's funny. I think right right before the pandemic, I think we were supposed to do 99X Fest. There was a big is it 99X is the big rock station there, right? 93X. 93X, yeah. And I remember that was one of the gigs that was supposed to happen right before everything kind of got canceled or around that time. So we'll be but back now, soon. But uh, we just saw yesterday you're playing Rockfest in Kadat. That's what I'm told. I mean, they said it's going, and you see the lineup. I mean, there's some pretty heavy hitters on it. So, awesome, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's t- it's time. You know what I mean? It's it, we actually have a gig booked in Louisville, louder than life with Metallica. There's there, the, that's in September, I think. So, I mean, you know, sooner or later they gotta they gotta start rocking again. So we'll see. It seems like September is that magic month because sure everything yeah. for us has been, been been pushed back, all our tours from last year, and it seems like September is like when we're finally starting to get back out to. We got a couple and, you know, festivals and stuff. And it's yeah, like, and we were supposed to play uh, April and May last year, and then it got postponed five times, and now this September one is what they're saying, okay, this is it. This is the one. So, I mean, you can't push it back too much more. I mean, it's time. No. You know what I mean? Let's Let's start rocking again. Get the ball rolling. Get back to some normalcy here. Jeff Jericho is just talking about the first two songs. Open up a show. I think back to Death Magnetic. We should start opening with "That Was Just Your Life" and end of the line. That's powerful as hell. Yeah, we used to open with "Life" for a while, but never into end of the line. That'd be fun. And Metallica time. did it. Yeah. What do you guys do in your bands? What do you play? I'm lead guitar. I play Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know Jericho. I'm the Lars, huh? <laughs> huh? That's right. <laughs> Hashtag Wanna. That's another thing he does all the time. He, he he snaps his fingers like that all the time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we've been together 10 years and uh, played over 500 shows, and we're kind of weekend warriors and have a blast with it. That's great, man. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Well, we have this little section that we call And Voting for All, where we take two songs and you vote between <laughs> which song that you would like. Okay. Um, it's been, you know, cover songs, you know, singles, whatever. It's all sorts of different stuff. Um Today on our In Voting for All segment, we have Battle of the Singles. We're going to do the first single versus their latest single. Hit the Lights versus Hardwired. What would you pick? Wow, man. I mean, that's um, that's hard because the older songs obviously are ones you kind of grew up with. And Hit the Lights is one of my favorite tunes. But I'm not going to be that guy. I, I think Hardwired, I, I think everybody was surprised when they heard that. I love They're yes. like, holy shit, like this is our Metallica. So I'll choose Hardwired. I mean, Hit the Lights obviously is one of my all-time favorites, but I bet, I bet you 9 out of 10 guests would pick that one, so I'm going to do Hardwired. I love it. That's an awesome answer. You know, I also I love like- I love the end where Lars goes halftime. Yes. Yeah. It gives well, a whole new intensity. It does. And, P- and listen, here's the thing, too. People bag on Lars. It's a funny thing to do. Uh, just the same way that people bag on Ringo. It's funny to bag on Ringo. Lars, and I told him this, Lars is now the Ringo of heavy metal. And what I mean by that is that Ringo plays what's best for the song. Yep. 
Absolutely. Not what the most flashy part is, not what, you know, is going to get him on the cover of Modern Drummer. He plays what's right for the tune. Yep, you serve the song. And that's why Lars is great. I mean, Lars did, you know, play all that. He was very influential, you know, back in those days. But then, like he said, after Justice for All, what am I going to do? I, I'm not I'm not Charlie Benanti. I'm not Dave Lombardo. These are the guys that we're kind of, you know, in competition with. I got to go the other way and do the Phil Rudd. And he also loves Clive Burr yeah. from yep. Iron Maiden, which is why most of his fills are just on the snare. I said, How, why do you do that? He said, Clive Burr. I'm like, ah, Clive Burr rarely uses toms too. I've always kind of seen Lars, especially the last 15, 20 years, as the heavy metal Phil Rudd. Yeah, and that's what he wants. And that's by design. So, um I'm a big fan of Lars's playing. Listen, is he always completely uh, in time? Does he speed up and slow down live? Well, he does, but so do I. Guess what? That's fucking live rock and roll, man. And exactly, it makes it feel real. Yeah, and it's cool to you know. And a lot of people hate it, and I get it. Listen, if you're going to Metallica and and worried because the tempo <laughs> increases or decreases sometimes, you're probably not there for for the same reason that I am. Exactly. And you know what? Sometimes that tempo increase is good. Like the, you know, the beginning of uh, the Through the Never movie when they play Creeping Death, I swear to this day, that is the fastest I've ever heard that song. It is so (laughs) much faster than the record. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's awesome. You know, you go, you see it and it just, it gets the energy pumping. You can listen to Kiss Animalize tour, which is the famous gig from 1984. And they are so, so fast. I mean, look it up sounds like freaking hit the lights in comparison. So that's part of the live element. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's interesting. When when Metallica was doing the um, Metallica Mondays, which was great, I really enjoyed watching those during the pandemic. And they did, uh, back on the Justice Tour, I think it was the last show was in Seattle, I think. And they switched up. Maybe they were doing it every show, but they switched up M.I. Evil. So where Lars was singing, yes, James was on drums, Kirk was on bass, and, and, and Jason was on guitar. And listen, is it great to see and fun? Yes. Is it good? No, it's not good. But it's cool. No, but it keeps it fresh. And I said that to Lars, and he said, you have to understand, like, back when we were doing that, there was no cell phones there was no cameras filming everything. You could go and do something like that. And the only people who really saw it were the you know 15,000 people that were watching. Yeah, and man. they thought it was cool because it was something different and they're living in the moment. And it's easy to go back and watch it and judge it and say, well, Lars was out of key and vocals and they're not locked in. It's like, yeah, but the visual of it and the concept is really cool. And that's something else that I really like about that time frame is you could go play a new song live see how the reaction for it was and right. not have to worry that, you know, the next day 10,000 people are going, oh, the new Fozzie song sucks. We saw them play it live and it sucks. It's like, right. you know, you could, you can't really take chances anymore. Everything you do has to be as well rehearsed and as good as possible because all it takes is one wrong person to see something that was filmed on a Tuesday night in Sheboygan when you're not feeling your best <laughs> and it could cause a lot of problems. Well, and then you get the keyboard warriors that got to get all tough on Facebook and social yeah. media and stuff. You That's know, why it I wasn't say, Jeff, like can that. we just go back to 1989 and just stay there for another decade? <laughs> right. Such good times and no phones. and just Yeah, exactly. Great memories in your head, not on your goddamn iPhone. That's right. That's right. But it's good. It's like what you were saying. You know, they, they took a chance, you know, putting on this real live stage show because, you know, people come to see... And, you know, it's an experience. It's not just a concert, you know, and it I feel fun. like 
Entertainment. You know, I, I remember. I remember they always used to doodle a lot too. They don't. They don't really do that anymore. They would play like the Charlie Brown theme, and yep. they'd have a big, long "Seek and Destroy" kind of sing along thing, and they would do a lot more of that stuff. Even going back, I have uh, actually you can find it online now. The uh, the audio of that Metallica Winnipeg show that I was at in '86, and you know, there's a guitar solo and there's a bass solo and they're noodling and it's like they they played probably for only sixty or seventy minutes. And 10 of that is just fucking around. Right. But that's just kind of the way things were back then. It wasn't uh, It wasn't like it is now. It was all about just putting on a show. You know, I feel like... Yeah, judging, l- listening to the crowd and seeing what they were into and just kind of going from there. Jeff, remember the Inspector Gadget doodle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Sully from Godsmack said it best. He's like, you know, you're putting on this live show. You know, it's an experience. You want people to really get into it. You know, he's like, I loved the 90s music and grunge music. But he goes, let's face it. It was just a bunch of guys in their flannels running around in circles on stage, not really doing much. Yeah. Let's give them something where you get the audience engaged. You give them a show to see. You know, and I well, think Metallica's well, always done that. Metallica's always been good that way. And James and Lars too. Like they're they're really good with the crowd. I mean, James does come across as an everyman, which he kind of is. You know, and I, I always liked that about about them is, is they would tell some jokes and have some fun and never really took themselves too seriously. Um, which kind of ingratiates you to the band. You know, you appreciate that. I, I know we, we toured with Metallica in Australia in 2013, I believe. And when I say toured, it was it was called the Soundwave Festival. So there's probably 30 bands, but we all played like, I think, six different shows in stadiums around Australia. So the first night was in Brisbane. And the night before, Metallica had a big barbecue for all the bands. And I remember our drummer, Frank was like, Oh, as if Metallica is going to be there. Uh, and they had organized buses for all the bands to come. And when we got off the bus, there they were standing there to greet everybody, James and Lars and, and Kirk and Rob, obviously class act. And everybody was kind of gathered around talking. They were hanging out, man. They were mingling. And Lars had this book. Well, actually, he told me that he, had, he he knew like some people's faces and names. And he told me that he got this book made from his assistant, who was Barbara at the time. Mm-hmm. And she put pictures of every band in this book and their names. So not that he's memorizing everybody's face and name, but like we talked about earlier, he's very his his his, his memory is very photographic. So he would maybe not know the names and band name, but he would know the faces. And he wanted to do that, so it wasn't just a bunch of nameless, faceless people coming up to him. Awesome. He could say, "What band are you in?" Oh, I'm in. I remember one of the bands was fucked up. He's like, oh, "I'm in fucked up." He's like, "You're probably not getting a lot of shelf space at Walmart, I imagine." Um, <laughs> but he knew the fuck. Oh yeah, fucked up. I know you. And I remember the guy was just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe Lars knew who we were." So like you cool. said, very classy. Very. They're a very classy band, and still very down to earth even though they're playing stadiums and it doesn't get much bigger than Metallica, but they don't act like that to most of the people they meet, which is really cool. Class act, humble dudes. I love it. Yeah, exactly. So Jeff, we, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just pulled up Jericho's first show set list at the playhouse theater. They closed the night with Emma evil damage and fight fire. 
Wow. I remember there's only like 11 songs or something like that. They didn't play a lot of tunes, did they? Uh, 14, including bass, bass solo. solo. That'd be interesting. Solo. Uh, they played Whiplash, Fade, Seek, Creep, Horse. Uh, the first four were state, you know, regular Battery, Puppets, Bell, Sanitarium. What was Jason's bass solo like? I don't remember, dude. I, he always he, he didn't play. He, I I know he didn't play Anesthesia. No. Um, um, you know, he never played that. I think Rob's the first guy to attempt that and play it. You know, it's different too because Jason used a pick, and Rob uses his fingers, which Cliff uses fingers too, right? Yep. So, I think that's why it's much more natural for 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 Rob to play it than Jason. You had said that Whiplash was one of your favorites, if not maybe your favorite Metallica song. You got to see that live. That's cool. How about the complete opposite? What would be your least favorite song? What would be the song that should not be if, if there was one? You know, it's funny because they're a lot like ACDC to me. Like they never had a bad song up until a certain point. Like they never had a bad song up until probably the load uh Load I, reload is where you start getting into like the slither and the Prince Charming and maybe not necessarily bad songs but like Carpe Diem that I don't even really remember how they go. Mm-hmm. But when you get to a song that actually I just do not like, it has to be Invisible Kid from uh, Saint Anger. It's just I, Invisible Kid. He knows what he did. He fell off the grid. Yeah, it's like that's fucking bad. I don't like that. <laughs> Well, take that, Jeff, Mr. St. Anger fan. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge St. Anger fan. I have been for a long time. Well, but Listen, I, I, I'm not saying I dislike St. Anger. I mean, no. Frantic and Dirty Window and, and All Within My Hands. And like I said, those are all great songs. Great I'm tune. just saying. Invisible Kid. Invisible Kid is just not good. And then uh, another one that I think is just super boring, and it sucks because they wrote it about Lemmy, but Murder One is not what I was expecting. And we I hear, don't we think, hear that a lot. Because you, you see Murder One, everyone that knows knows what that is. That was the name of right. Le, Lemmy's bass rig. Yep, so I was thinking this is going to be like a Motorhead influence type fucking just super cool. But it's <laughs> loud, not, heavy song. Yeah, and it's, then it's not, just it's kind just, of... It, it, I'm, just, I'm really disappointed in them because they were so close to Lemmy and Motorhead was so, so, so important to their career. And obviously they included it because they like it. And, and once again... They're much smarter than me for what Metallica is all about, but I just thought, wow, like I would expect Murder One to sound like Spit Out the Bone. You know what I mean? Like that's what I was kind of something really fucking like, you we know. Too. We've heard that a lot. Yeah. So that one kind of that one's one that is an instant uh, uh, um, forward, fast forward for me for sure too. And I think they haven't even played it live yet. They're probably waiting on the third leg to debut that. Uh, I don't think they should. I think that that one should be a left. <laughs> I think they have played that live. I think they've played everything live at some point from that record. They should shelf it just like they did with Escape. Even though I love Escape, I love that song. uh, uh, I think they should delete delete this one, like Lars' dad said. I would say delete that. Uh, So here's a great story. And then I I got about another 10 minutes, and I got to split. All good, Um, man. So when I was, like I mentioned, in junior high school, when I discovered Metallica, uh, as hard as it seems to believe, most people didn't like Metallica. Because of the way they looked and the way they sounded. you got to keep in mind, this is 1985. It's all about, like I said, Motley Crue, Rat, 
you know, uh, it's all kind of the, the you know, even Ozzy was a little bit glammy at that point, and for sure, uh, image was everything, and Metallica didn't have one. So I would always suggest to my friends that you should listen to Metallica. They're like, nah, it sucks. We don't want to listen to it. I'm like, you know, you're not even giving it a try. It's like, nah, it's look at them. They look like shit. They're just too fucking fast. It's it's just noise. <laughs> it sucks. So I remember that specifically, there's this one guy called Drew Jones, and he could play guitar, and he was he was really in love with Rat, like like Warren D. Martini and that whole scene, which I was a fan of Rat too, right? Like you Still know, am. I was a fan of everything. Yeah, but I was okay. So he had this really killer red kind of a Corvette from like 1968 or something like kind of a rich kid, you know, had all the cool gear and everything. So I remember driving with some friends and I said, dude, you're not going to believe this. My cousin lives in LA and he's, he works in a recording studio and he has a demo of the new rat song. Like, fuck off. You're lying. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I don't know how I pulled this off. I was like, super serious like man like i'm telling you right now sweet i have the demo of the new rat song and it's really cool because robin crosby is singing it whoa he's like fuck off i'm like yeah (laughs) so i put the song on and they're listening to it and it's like heavy but it's not super heavy and the vocal is kind of gruff it's like fucking robin crosby he's like yeah this is actually really good um and the song was escape Oh, that is so great! Classic, and I said, man. "I said, I love what do you it. think? What do you think? This is really cool. Like, it's a little bit heavier. First, kind of, you know, like lack of communication, heavy, and like, you know, you're in trouble. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty heavy. So, you, so you like it? Yeah, yeah. So you really like it? Yeah. So you would buy this? Oh, fuck yeah, we would. Comes, oh yeah, I said, dude, that's fucking Metallica. And he's like, fuck off. I'm like, dude, it's Metallica. I got you. I got you. I got you. So at least I was able to get Escape on. If we were at a party or something, it's like, okay, you could put that one song on. That one don't song, Don't put that yeah. fucking creeping death bullshit on. <laughs> Dude, that's classic. That way you can get just a little taste of it while you're at the party. Exactly. So at least I got to hear a little Metallica. That's that awesome. is classic. Uh, I got a couple more little tidbits of trivia for you that you won't hear from anybody else. Sure. We All love right. it. Let us have it. So when we were with, I love saying when we toured with Metallica, but we really did. Like we were around them you on stage. Did. You know, I, I watched the show from behind Lars's kit from that little like a uh, screen, little, aluminum screen thing. So um, after the show one night, uh, Lars's assistant is running around. She goes, "Where's the cheese pizza? Where's Lars's cheese pizza?" And it's like, you didn't get a cheese pizza here now. Lars is off stage. <laughs> I guess Lars when he comes off stage every night enjoys having a cheese pizza and that not that he was ever a dick about it but but the, the foster was just, it was like kind of the backstage sitting you better have that cheese pizza ready for lars when he comes off stage so there you go uh watch watch everybody bring lars slices of cheese pizza right the next, <laughs> the next chris jericho said bring lars pizza no more hashtag wanna or no fuck around it's just pizza time <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, just cheese hashtag cheese pizza cheese pizza go. And the last one I have is when I went and saw Metallica at the um, 30th anniversary at the Fillmore. I was there. I was there for a couple of the shows. Cool. I was at the one they opened with Cthulhu and the one they opened with um, To Live Is To Die. Amazing nights, man. I saw James. Uh, actually, I saw this guy. I was like, that guy, like, what a James wannabe. Like, look at this guy. And it turns out it was James who I'd just seen like four or five months earlier. And he was he was bigger. And he lost all this weight. 
uh, he had the mohawk at that, but he, he was, remember how skinny he was? Oh, and yeah. I said, how'd you lose all that weight? He said, from the, I started doing the caveman diet. What's the caveman diet? The caveman diet is almost like a keto diet. Basically, you're eating only things that a caveman would have eaten, like living off the land, like eggs and beef and chicken and nuts, legumes, oh, yeah. vegetables. So I said, well, I'll give this a try. So I did that caveman diet for about 18 months. And if you look like around 2012, I was super ripped up too. And James and I became caveman diet friends. <laughs> it's amazing how that talk comes together, man. That's caveman awesome. Diet. Yeah, we would never... We, James is, is not... James is very quiet. But he and I, whenever we see each other, which is not much, but we always talk about Trouble, the band, the great fucking yes. doom metal band from the Love 80s. Trouble. Plastic Greenhead's my favorite. There you go. I, I'm, I like the skull. And then the other one was, uh, was caveman diet. So... That's the two things that James and I have in common. <laughs> Between Lars and cheese pizza and then James and his caveman diet, you know I'm, their foods. <laughs> I'm going to write the Metallica foodie uh, cookbook by Chris Jericho. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Can't believe you're not a beekeeper, Jericho. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not the beekeeper. I, like I said, i got plenty more. We can keep going. Uh, uh, uh. We understand you're a busy guy. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to us. Thanks again, man. I'm glad we were able to do this. Jericho, thanks so much for enjoying our podcast for all season three, episode 15. We had fun, man. It was a long time coming. When the next record comes out, we can talk again. It'd be awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Have a great day.